Good morning, everybody. Isn't it a beautiful day out today? It's a little gloomy, but you know what? It's another day, right? You got up today. That's, that's a, a good thing. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer today. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the, just for another day to be in your house, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, how you are constantly at work in our lives, and so many times we don't even notice it because we're not focused on you. Lord, I pray that you help us to, to narrow that focus down and to uh, really see what you are doing in our lives and be focused on what we can do to, to live a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that your will will be done here today. We thank you for the, uh, just this opportunity, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, why don't you go ahead and turn in your hymnal, or you can look up on the screen in your hymnal, page 275. Uh, we're going to sing Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, weary and worn, <coughs> facing <coughs> death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree. Sinners pleading, 
good singing. It's a little different without the piano, right? We've made it through that. Let's continue on. We're going to sing Near the Cross, page uh, 254. Jesus, keep me near. Oh, I messed that up. I messed that up. I messed that up. I was working on it earlier today. My glasses fall off there because they're really small. Why don't you look around and say, hey, good to see you. And you may be seated. <clears throat> All right. Uh, some uh, quick announcements here. Next Sunday, well, first off, if you missed the bowling on Friday, you missed a good time. We had a great time there. And... Uh, um, a lot of personalities that I didn't know so well, we got to know a little bit better. <laughs> Howie. <laughs> uh, 
I didn't know he was as much of a jokester as he is. No, it was good. It was a great time, and uh, sorry you missed out on that, but we had a wonderful time there. Um, February 4th, Carrion Fellowship Dinner. That's next Sunday um, after the worship service, and then uh, that following week, Steph and I will be gone out of town, and uh, then that following Sunday, the 11th, I will be back, but uh, I asked Harold to preach for me, so he's going to preach for me that day. And then February 17th is uh, the soup cook-off and the bake-off. Uh, that's going to be at uh, 6 p.m. And then uh, also uh, it is uh, the Barb Solomon's uh, memorial services on March 16th. And uh, we're still looking at the times, right? Are we um, possibly two, possibly three? We'll, we'll let you all know when, we, when that is, uh, decision is made. All right. Um, <clears throat> also, if you notice in the bulletins, the new officers for the 2024 is in there. Um, and... Uh, so if you've got problems, go to them, not me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Jim did mention this at our business meeting uh, a week and a half ago. If you would like to have your um, the report of how much you've given for the church uh, for your taxes, let him know, uh, and then he will get that to you. So, uh, yeah, just ask him, and he'll, he'll take care of that for you. All right. Um, let's go ahead and sing uh, the last song uh, that is in our bulletins. Well, it is in the bulletin, but uh, um, it's also up on the screen. We're going to sing uh, As the Deer. As the deer. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can go ahead and get up. That's fine. We're supposed to take up the offering during this song, and I forgot until I saw Jim get up. All right, let's try that again. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You alone are my strength, my shield. Would you ask God to bless the offering, sir? Alright, 
why don't you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We've been in a series of messages uh, that we're calling You in Five Years. The first week we uh, asked the question, who? Who who do I want to be in five years from now? Uh, And is that where I'm heading? Because if if, if where I'm heading is not where I want to be, then now's the time to make that change. Um, The second week we asked the question, why? Why is it so difficult to change? And we found that the answer is inertia. Inertia is either our best friend or our worst enemy. Uh, It takes a lot to get going, but once you get going, it'll stay moving. Uh, That's what inertia does. Um, Then last week we asked the question, how how are we going to how are we going to change? And the answer was one step at a time. What God wants us to do is not always um, going to have visible progress. but that's all right. You know, we're, we're going to just keep taking steps the way we're supposed to be taking steps. And, uh, and, and we take those steps of obedience uh, long before we ever see it all pay off. This week we want to answer the question, when? When are we going to do this? When are we going to take the steps uh, that we need to take? And uh, I, I think that's a pretty easy answer, easy one to answer. You all know what that answer might be? When we're supposed to utilize these things, put them into practice, What? Now, exactly. There we go. Let's pray. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the answer is now. That's a pretty easy one. Uh, But what we want to do today is uh, I I think many times we find ourselves too busy to do what we want to do. Have you ever found yourself too busy? It seems like there's just not enough hours in the day. Right. Uh, um, And so I'm going to start this message with a story that I read a while back. Uh, it, it's about a guy and his wife that goes to the local gym. He's uh, working out. He's doing uh, uh, with some free weights, working on his uh, muscles, you know, doing the curls. She's on the treadmill doing her walking, and uh, he's feeling pretty awesome that he is blessed by God by having such a beautiful wife. And so he decides to to go over to her in front of everybody and just kind of like quote unquote hit on her because she's cute, you know. And so he goes over there and. Uh, well, this treadmill is one of those newer ones that, uh, that's, let's see, how do I want to put this? Well, where the switch is, he put his hand on ex- accidentally, and it raised the speed up tremendously. Now, because it's one of those newer ones, it didn't just, just jump to it. It just slowly started getting faster and faster and faster. Well, she was just walking. And then, you know, she's looking at him smiling, and he's looking at her smiling. And, and uh, then all of a sudden, she starts walking faster. And that smile just starts to deteriorate. And then she's got this look of concern on her face. And then she's like almost running. And she's looking at him and he's like, I don't understand what's going on. And finally, she got to the point where she like lifted herself up, put her feet on the side and just like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to kill me or something? <clears throat> and you say, well, what, what, what's the point of all that? Well, I think it's a great illustration of what happens in our own lives. Little by little, barely noticeable at first, we do a little bit more and then a little bit more and we get a little more efficient maybe. And we get a little more aggressive and then maybe we take that job 
And then maybe another job. And then student loan starts kicking in. And, and then there's a car payment. And then we get a girlfriend who becomes a wife who then gives us baby who needs diapers. And then another baby with more diapers. And then preschool. And then football and ballet and braces and more kids and more job and more debt. And all of a sudden we wake up and we feel totally overwhelmed. And we began with a big smile on our face. And now we're like, what are you trying to kill me, God? Why are you giving me all this stuff? And so I think I, I would I think y'all would agree with me if that was your life, which it may be, I don't know, but you would say, I do feel kind of rushed. You know, I do have anxiety, uh, overwhelmed and uh, with all that I have to do. And there just doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day. And now you're looking at trying to do more and I'm supposed to do more. And how am I going to do things uh, where I want to be? I just can't do that. You see, when we try to multitask, Trying to do more than we should. And I wonder how many of you would say, well, occasionally, maybe often, you're disappointed with the way that your life is going. You know, um, because the pace that you're going at, you can't keep that pace up. Because of the intensity, sometimes you start to think that there's something that's missing and you don't have time to do the things that you want to do and no time to do the things with people that you love. Or worse yet... You know, well, that is the worst yet. You don't have time to do the things with the people that you love. You might start to ask yourself, is, is life really supposed to be this way? Is, is it really supposed to be just crazy day in and day out with no breaks, no rest? What if I told you that possibly the greatest enemy to your life that you want is the life that you're living right now? Let me say that again. What if I told you that the greatest enemy to the life that you want to live may be the life that you're currently living? What do we, what do, we do when we're too busy for what matters? Now, don't raise your hand. Don't point at anybody. But how many of you all think that you're busier uh, uh, than you think you should be? And I think most of us would probably raise our hands and say, yep, that's me. Um, you know, we have places to be, we've got jobs to do, we've got bills to pay, kitchens to clean, kids to raise, um, news to watch that makes us really mad, uh, yards to mow, snows to shovel, dinners to cook, clothes to buy, clothes to wash, clothes to buy, because you don't fit in those clothes that you bought anymore. Um, you know, next Netflix series to binge watch out on. And, and just because of the pace of life is what it is, you find yourself just going faster and faster and faster until you're almost sprinting. And you realize you don't have time for some of the things that you wish you had time for. And we really don't have time for meals with our families and we eat on the go. And we don't really have time for deep conversations with those that are around us with our friends, and, and we don't have time to, to rest and reflect and really enjoy an intimacy, even with our Heavenly Father. We just don't have time. You know what? That's an excuse. And I'm sure all of us have used that excuse before, but the good news is that uh, neither does anybody else have enough time. You know, everybody else is so busy, so that, uh, that, that must be God's will for our life if everyone's busy, right? No. No, it's not. Maybe the greatest enemy to the life that you want to live, the life where you want to be in five years, is the life that you're currently living now. When you look at the Gospels, I mean, they're pretty fascinating. To, to think about the way that Jesus lived, he had about three, three and a half years uh, of, uh, of ministry here on this earth. And in that time, he embraced his Father's mission for him. 
And he recruited 12 guys. He trained them in the kingdom values. He endured the hatred of the Pharisees. He resisted the temptation of the devil. He healed all sorts of sick people. He loved all sorts of of hurting people. He preached the word of God. He fulfilled the Bible. There's about 351 Old Testament prophecies that he fulfilled. And you look at all that, and there's never one time where Jesus ran. Nothing recorded that he ran, that he was in a hurry. When you read the Gospels, there's no record of him going, running along or jogging and, or fast walking or skipping or sprinting or anything like that. Jesus was busy, but he was never rushed. He never said to his disciples, come on, guys, uh, we're behind schedule. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Andale, andale. And they're like, what did you just say? It says it's Spanish. You won't know about that for another thousand years or so. But uh, it just means hurry up, guys, let's go. You know, uh, you know. I, I, I'm sure he didn't say on delay, but that would be kind of funny if he did. Uh, I, I, what I want to do today is I want to show you a phrase in the verse that we're about to look at, that in Mark two, um, where. Well, let's just read it, okay? Mark chapter two, verse number fourteen. We're going to focus on a phrase that you can see over and over again in the Gospels. Mark two fourteen, as he passed by. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. And you're looking at that verse going, I don't see where in the world pastor's going to get this message from. What what are you talking about? Where has he seen that? Well, another version uh, of this starts out and says, as he walked by. So as he passed by, as he walked by, that's that's what I want to talk about. It means basically the same thing. As he passed by, as he walked by, he sees this guy by the name of Levi. Uh, We also know him as Matthew. Uh, um, uh, Levi would uh, have been living an unrushed life as well. Okay? Wait a minute. I I jumped a line. Levi uh, was a tax collector. And Levi began to follow Jesus. And because Jesus' life was unrushed, and if Levi followed Jesus, then Levi would have been there living an unrushed life as well. Makes sense to me. So what happened with Levi? Well, if that happened with Levi, you know, he lived that unrushed life, does that apply to us? What, what about us? If we truly are following an unrushed Jesus, we would be living an unrushed life. I don't know about you. Uh, the way that I live is typically not considered unrushed. Anybody in here can agree with that? Not about my life, but about all y'all's lives, okay? Right? That, that yes, we are uh, uh, rushed a bit. We're not living the way that Jesus lives. So you find yourselves kind of like that lady on the treadmill. Uh, it just gets faster and faster, and your face goes from a joyous, happy, wonderful, loving life, loving the Lord face to, oh my gosh, God is trying to kill me here with everything that I've got to do today. Um, no, and, and life just picks up its pace. We're so rushed and we're so stressed and so overwhelmed and exhausted trying to get everything done, always falling short. And Jesus invites you to come to him when you get wore out, when you get overwhelmed, when you're burdened. He will give you something that many of you have not experienced in a very long time. He's going to give you rest. He's saying, come with me, get away with me. And then you'll recover your life. Walk with me. Watch how I walk. Watch how I love. Watch how I live. Walk with me. Don't just believe that Jesus, what Jesus believed. We need to do what, well, we do need to do that, but we also need to live the way that Jesus lived. Now, think about the way that Jesus lived. 
he lived for around 33, 33 and a half years uh, of his life, okay? That's how long he lived. And he was called to be perfect. And he was. He was perfect. He was called to save the world. That was his mission from God, to give his life. And uh, he waited 30 years before his public ministry began. And it's fascinating to think that all that Jesus did, recorded in the Gospels, he did in three years, three, three and a half years. It's fascinating to think about that. I mean, when he was baptized, the heavens opened up and uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a, in the shape of a dove. And uh, the Father speaks from heaven, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love him. You know, listen to this guy. And God affirmed him even before he began his public ministry. Um, Jesus is commissioned to change the world. And what's the first thing he does after he begins that ministry? He goes off into the wilderness. You know, he goes off by himself for 40 days after he'd been baptized. He, he was out there with no food, uh, maybe no water, just getting close with God. And the Spirit leads him to this dry place. And he calls out to the Father. And the Father draws close to him. And he is uh, strengthened by him. And he fights off his enemy. His, uh, it, <clears throat> his intensity solidifies in who he is called to be. And it takes 40 days. Sometime later, let's flip over, look at Mark chapter 5. Sometime later in Mark chapter 5, while teaching in the synagogue, there's a guy by the name of Jairus that comes up to him. Jairus is freaking out, and rightly so, because his baby girl is dying. And he asks Jesus to heal her, and Jesus agrees. And then Jesus starts walking there. Look, let's look at verse number uh, 25. So, Jairus has got what, G, what he wanted. He's got Jesus coming to his house to heal his baby girl from dying. And this is what happens along the way. Verse number 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came uh, behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt it in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Okay, just picture this. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, and so it's a little bit on the time-sensitive side, okay? But then this lady touches his robe. Uh, Jesus gives his undivided attention to her. And he begins to have this conversation with her. He heals her, and while he is talking with this uh, uh, sweet, uh, uh, well, he's taking his sweet, loving time doing so. And just as he's finishing up dealing with this lady, one of the servants came up. What does it say? Look at uh, verse number, where am I? Oh, I, did I tell you to go to Mark 6? I did. Oh, okay. Mark 5. Okay, good. Because I looked at Mark 6. I'm like, that is not what I just read. Um, yeah, verse number 31. But his disciples said to him, you see the multiple... Let's drop down a little bit farther. He tells her, verse 34, Daughter, your faith has been made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while he was speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? He's taking his sweet time, and Jairus gets the news that he's dreading. 
that his daughter has died. And I can almost imagine him saying, Jesus, if you would have just, just let this woman alone, dealt with her later, you could have healed my daughter. My daughter would be alive today. She wouldn't have died. But Jesus looked him in the face, and, he, and what does he say? Verse 36, And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. What? Only believe. Only believe. It's okay. I've got this under control. You know, just just believe it, okay? Believe it'll be okay. And Jerry says, okay, all right, I got this. All right, I believe you. They get to Jerry's house. He raises her from the dead. An amazing miracle that happens there. And if you look at another part of Jesus' life, um, what was his transportation choice? You know, at the triumphal entry as he's coming back into uh, the city, what, was, what did he ride on? Y'all remember? It's okay. You could speak it out. Here's my sign. Please answer my question. He rode a donkey, right? It could have been, you know, anything. He could have rode a giraffe. He could have rode an elephant. He could have rode a cheetah. He could have rode a horse. Anything. You know, some of those things can move pretty quick. But instead he rides, rides a donkey. A donkey is kind of slow. And it's a little on the stubborn side. But this is what Jesus rode on. A walking animal. Donkeys aren't in a rush. And you never see Eeyore running a red light, right? Uh, It just doesn't happen. That's not the way donkeys are. So Jesus was not a rushed individual. We've seen some different situations where he's just not doing that. So why are we so rushed in our souls? Why are we today so rushed about everything? Why are we on such a fast pace? Why do we think that we're that way? Well, here's my guess, best on uh, pastoral ministry, is why we're rushed. Just to simplify it, most of us are rushed because we're running. We're either running from something or running to something. We're either running from something or running to something. A lot of us are probably running from some insignificant stuff and running towards acceptance. We might be running from past failures or, or, or maybe you're running from what someone said about you or what uh, you might be running from insecurity that you need to overcome and prove them wrong. You're running from hurt. You're running from abuse. There's all kinds of things that you can be running from or you could be running towards something. You've got a goal. You've got a vision. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a family. You know, and, and we're going to love Jesus, and we're going to have kids, and we're going to have a dog, and we're going to have a house, and all this stuff. You're running towards a goal or success, or you're running towards popularity, fame, wanting to be accepted. The problem for most people today in, in our culture is that we're running for something, we're chasing a life that's still going to leave us empty once you get it. Would you say that's true of the world today? They're searching for something. They're going for something. And, and once they obtain it, they are still just as empty as when they started out. What if the greatest enemy to the life that you want is actually the way that you're living it right now? Always rushed, always pushing it. Some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I have a full-time job. You only work one day a week. I work more than one day a week, just letting you know. I do a half a day on Wednesday, too. Okay. Um, no, I mean, you, you, you say, well, I just can't get everything done. I, I can't slow down. If I slow down, I'm going to drown. I, there's just too much to do. 
And I want to say very respectfully to you that you do have time. You have time for what you choose to have time for. You have time for what you choose to have time for. The solution to trying to figure out how am I going to be able to, to, to squeeze everything in? Well, here, here it is. Okay. Well, first off, the solution is not, well, if I just had a little bit more time. No. It's just that you need more of what matters most. That's the solution. Not you need more time, because if you had more time, you'd fill up that time and you'd be just as busy. Okay? You need more of what you need most, what matters the most. And this, uh, the reason why most of us don't have time for what matters is because we mindlessly are spending our life on things that don't matter. I'll prove it to you. And it can be a number of ways, okay? Uh, and I'm just going to use three common ones. First one is social media. Anybody in here on social media? Don't have to raise your hand. Yeah, we, most of us are. Most of us are involved in some form of social media. Do you know that the average person spends over 700 hours a week? Just kidding. Not 700 hours a week. 700 hours a year on social media? Some of y'all spend probably 700 a week, okay? But uh, uh, I don't even know if there's 700 hours. There's not 700 hours a week. Just ignore me. So some of you are thinking, wow, that's really, you know, a, a, a lot. And some of you might be thinking, really? Only 700 hours because uh, you're spending way too much on there. But let's compare this, okay? 700 hours. Let's compare this to help us to understand. The average workday is eight hours a day. So 700 hours would be about four and a half months of working eight hours a day. That's how much time we spend on social media. Four and a half months of work. You do have time for what you choose to have time for. Second one would be television, okay? Some type of, whether it's streaming, movies, or whatever. Do you know experts say that the average American spends 2,700 hours watching TV? 2,700 hours. Some of those are combined because you're on social media while you're watching something, right? But, you know, so those don't really count then, right? But because you're multitasking. It's 2,700 hours. That's That's crazy. Um, the third one and uh, um, is video games. You know, you're like, oh, I don't have one of those. I don't have one of those, you know, Xboxes or PlayStation. I don't do those things. Oh, maybe not, but some, some of y'all play Candy Crush. Is that still a thing, Candy Crush? I don't know. There's so many things out there. You're like, oh, well, it's, it's you know, it's just on my phone. It's not. You know, there's all kinds of time wasters that are out there. There are, there are things that I have put on my phone that I have... St- taken off my phone because I realized I'm just wasting tons of time doing nothing. Experts say that, by the, uh, that the average American by the age of 21 will have spent 10,000 hours on video games. 10,000 hours by the age of 21. What can you do with 10,000 hours? If you, worked, I mean, if you worked a $10 an hour job after taxes, you would make over 100,000, well, you'd make $100,000. If you had 10,000 hours, if, if you're an average reader, you could read about 2,000 books. You could get your undergraduate and graduate degrees. You could probably become a concert pianist. You could get your pilot's license. You could possibly save your struggling marriage if you devoted just a fraction of the time that you spend, uh, the fraction of the energy that you spend on those things on that person as you do on those things that take you away from them. You could possibly reconcile a relationship with a family member. You could probably have the most intimate relationship with your children 
that you could possibly imagine. If you just put away whatever stupid thing that you're doing invest, and, and instead invest it in other people. You could have something that really matters. Or you could mindlessly waste your life on stuff that doesn't matter. What is the greatest enemy to the life that you want to live? Probably the life that you're living right now. So what do I do? So, all right, Pastor, what do I do? Here's my answer for you. I don't know. Aren't you glad when I ask a question, I give you the I don't know answer? It just fills you up with joy, right? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I don't know because I'm there too. I'm struggling just along with you. Remember the commercials? <clears throat> and this was a long time ago. I know I'm maybe dating myself here, but the commercials, Hair Club for Men, Right? Uh, um, you know, I'm not only the owner, but I'm a proud user. Maybe I do need some of that, too. We're not going that part. But, you know, it's like <clears throat> I'm struggling right along with you guys as well. You know, I, I'm not giving, uh, going to give you stuff to do. Instead, I'm telling you that if you don't slow down, God is going to force you to slow down. I read of a pastor who was constantly on the go. He had speaking engagements. And he rarely stayed home and, uh, to, to spend time with his family. God literally had to put him on his back in a hospital. He had surprise surgery for him, and he was down for an extended period of time. And he couldn't do the things that he wanted to do. And he had to face the addiction that he was always on the go. Oh, but it was good stuff. Yeah, but it was taking him away from his family and from his relationship with God. He had to face the addiction that he always had to have something to do. And so he began to seek God like he had never sought him before. And he got to the point where he realized that he was going, going way too hard at life. Doing way too much. So he prayed a very simple prayer that should challenge us today. This is the prayer that he prayed. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people dearly. What happens if you pray that prayer? Guess what? It's another wonderful answer for you. I don't know. But here's what could possibly happen. Okay? Here's some things that could possibly happen. If you're asking God, Lord, help me to slow down, help me to truly enjoy you fully and to love people dearly, the first thing that could happen that God can do is that God can teach you to be present in the moment. You'll start to recognize that you're often there physically, but not mentally. Y'all been there? Okay. As, as you pray this prayer, you can become more engaging with your children and maybe your grandchildren. You're going to leave that phone to the side. You leave that stuff to the side. Maybe you'll focus on listening to people who oftentimes... Um, when your mind starts to wander and drift away and think about all those other things you could be doing, instead you're going to focus and listen to them. Be present in the moment. You're there. Be there. Be there fully. Be there with your mind, your soul, and everything. Be there because you won't get the opportunity again in that exact same position, situation. That's the first thing that God can do if you begin to pray this prayer. second thing that God can do God can teach us to choose what's important and to eliminate what's not important. As you ask God to lead in your steps and you walk slowly, you may become more aware that picking up your phone to look at something is not nearly as important as the person who's sitting with you. It can help you to say no to stuff that doesn't really matter and yes to the things that does. 
You may say no to some good things right now because you're going to have the opportunity to say yes to some better things. And just because you say no right now doesn't mean that you have to, it has to stay a no forever. I mean, you may like, I don't know, maybe you, you like to do yoga. Or maybe you like to, uh, um, to garden or play on a softball team or whatever it is. But you've got three kids in diapers, you know, and uh, so you're not going to be able to do those things that you want to do. So that no right now is not a no forever. It's just when the kids get a little older and you can be a little bit more active again. You know, then, then it's a yes a little bit later. But it's a no for now because there's, a, there's something right now that takes, that requires your focus. That it's something better. That's something that's more important. The solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters than maybe as you pray this prayer, you're asking God, help me to slow down. Help me to pay attention to the things that are, that are around me. This is going to sound really cheesy, and I'm sure you've heard it all before, but slow down and smell the roses. Slow down and listen to God. Slow down. You know, the Bible tells us to be still and know that He is God. Part of that is just stopping. Not just slowing down, but just getting to a point where you stop, be still, and know that He is God. That's what we need to do. That's what's important. Not whatever game you're playing or addicted to. Not Facebook or any other social media app. I pulled it out. Did you all notice that I just pulled it out? You're probably like, he's pulling that out while he's preaching? It's as an example. Okay. I'm not, fo- I'm not looking. I'm not playing. But focus on the Lord. Focus on Him. On what really matters. The third thing here. I believe that God will help you if we begin to pray this prayer. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. I think what he can do is that we can sense God's presence and recognize his voice. It it might help you to see him working where you've been too busy before. He's prompting to... For you to ask an additional question when you're with somebody, not ending a conversation, but maybe dig a little bit deeper, spend a little bit more time with them. Maybe God has more in store for you. If you would just slow down and you would walk with the Lord, he can help you love him, experience him and love people more. And when you do that, when when you're becoming more and more like him, the challenge then is like what this pastor prayed. God, help me to slow down and see what's important and to spend time with the things that are more important instead of wasting my time on junk that doesn't mean anything. Lord, help me to love you more and Lord, help me to love people more. So I challenge you, if you pray something like this for the next week, just see what God does for you. I challenge you to do that. And here's something to think about as well. As Jesus walked all of his life following the will of God, where was Jesus walking to? Where was his end goal? The cross. He was walking to the cross. He was fulfilling God's calling for him, expressing the deepest and most profound love for you. He was walking forward to the cross. When we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, 
We don't just embrace the truth, which is important that we do that, but we also live in love the way that Jesus lived and loved. And as we learn to walk with God, we're becoming more like Jesus. Imagine if in this world of hatred, there was a group of loving Christians walking with the Lord slowly enough to engage in those people that are around them. So as I said, the solution is not more time. It's more of what matters. You have time for what you choose to have time for. So what are you going to do? What do you want to see done for the Lord in your life in the next five years? How are you going to implement those things? Little by little. But you have to make the time to do it now. If you don't make the time to do it now, it's not going to get done. You have to, it's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to accidentally, oh, wow, look at that. I just slipped into discipleship with the Lord. You know, it doesn't happen. You have to make a time for it. Slow down. Spend time with the things that matter. That's what God is calling us to. That's what we need to do. That's where you're going to, this is where you begin so that you can be where God wants you to be in five years. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day. We thank you for this message, this challenge to us. It's so easy for us to be caught up in the, just the busyness of everything that we do. But a lot of times that busyness is because we're just focused and filled with all kinds of things that don't really matter. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to maybe pray this challenge. To, to slow down enough to experience you fully. And to love those people around us that you have placed in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts that only you can do. Do a work in, our, in the hearts of each person that is here, each person that is listening. Help us, Lord, to slow down. Help us to walk with you. So that we wouldn't be interrupted by the the unimportant, the time wasters, that we would really be focused on what you would have us to do, Lord. I pray that you would help us to reprioritize our lives for your glory, that we would take the time to do what you have called us to do. Lord, help us to choose what matters most to us, well, matters most to help us, and that is to love you and to love your people And to do what you have called us to do. Lord, I thank you for your, for your word this morning. I thank you for the challenge. I pray that we would all make those decisions today to begin the steps to be able to see where we're going to be in five years. Because if we don't change anything, nothing's going to change in five years. We're just going to be the same way we are. Just maybe a little exaggerated, maybe a little bit older. Lord, I don't want to be there. I want to be different. Lord, I pray that your will will be done today. Thank you, God, for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. Uh, I don't know what your need is, what uh, God has spoken to you, but just give you an opportunity to reply to him. Uh, We're going to sing page 432 softly and tenderly.
Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Patient and loving, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Thank you all for being here today. I pray that God will use His Word to challenge you. Um, come, I hope you'll come back uh, Wednesday nights of our prayer uh, Wednesday night prayer service uh, at seven o'clock. I hope you all will be there for that. And then uh, next Sunday we'll have a, a, a dinner after the service, and we'll be completing this uh, series uh, next week as well. All right, let's uh, close in a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask if uh, Dave Weber, would you close our service in prayer, sir?